You're listening to an OTB AM podcast. You can watch the show or listen live every weekday morning from 7.45 AM. Subscribe to the OTB AM podcast stream for more stuff just like this. And a very good morning to you. Welcome along to Wednesday morning's OTBAM. We're here all the way until about half past nine this morning. As ever, if you want to get in touch, you can leave a comment on whatever stream you're listening to. And a reminder that if you just want us to be a breakfast radio accompaniment, if you don't want to see our ugly mugs in the morning, then all you've got to do is go over to offtheball.com and click on the Listen Live button, and then you can minimize that and go about your business, and we'll be part of your background. Uh, so you're very welcome along, if you're, uh, however you are consuming us this morning. Also very welcome this morning is Kenny Cunningham. Kenny, how the hell are you? Yeah, all good. All good, yeah. Your um, love of box sets blew up on the internet last night. Everybody's like, oh, Kenny's a 24 man. Are you? What a show. I completely missed this clip. I did not see you talking about 24 last night. Yeah, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how it came into the conversation, actually. Um, yeah, I still don't know how it came into the conversation. We're, um, we're revisiting The Sopranos because it was 20th oh. anniversary this week, and Owen wow. had never really got beyond two episodes. Yeah, basically, I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think I was one series. You haven't sat through one series of The Sopranos. No, I'm doing it now though, and yeah. it is excellent. I, I must say, it, it was it ha- three when it came out. It, it hasn't got to 24 level just yet. 24 was the first box that I ever. 24 was huge. Yeah, 24 was unbelievable. The lads talked it down last night. Actually, though, the lads kicked the stool from underneath me last night when I brought it up. Don't listen to them, Kenny. We know that 24 is better than anything else that's ever been created. I know, I mean... Joe it was, that's what it was, yeah, he kind of gave the old tut-tut when I, when I threw it out there. As, as if like, like oh, f- oh, 24, how predictable, you, you, you enjoyed 24. <laughs> that type of attitude he Just threw at me. Kind of intellectual oh. snobbery. Yeah, exactly, thank you. Classic Joe. Well said, Alan, well said. Exactly what I was thinking. Uh, but The Sopranos is better, right? I mean, come on, Kenny. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I would lean to what, but twenty four was like fast moving. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? And also, yeah, literally, it's uh, it, twenty four is very. I don't know. When did you get into it? I was going to say if it was a box set, you weren't watching it at the time. So when did you get into it? It was a couple of years after. Actually, I would have been. In most things, I'm a little bit late arriving on the scene. But back in the day, like so, I would have been a, a bit like your football after. career. What? <laughs> arriving late at the back post. Never arrived at the back post. <laughs> Sorry, it's too good an opportunity. Oh, fair point, Jeff. Fair point. <laughs> that hurts. You got to say, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Here, no, it's fair. No, it's fair. Parik Amin ripping up the uh, the FA Cup. Um, another amazing goal from him last night, and they're going to get Manchester City in the next round. Which is, I'm delighted for them because they were a bit like, oh great, we got Middlesbrough in the <laughs> fabulous when we talked to him after. Um, th- but so it's brilliant. But uh, this this kind of late career flourishing of players like Parik Amin, this is. The only reason I can see to be interested in the cup anymore. Yeah, it's a fair point. I've got to be honest. I don't think I've watched any FA Cup football. That could well have been the first time last night I was watching. I had an eye on the on the Middlesbrough game last night. The pitch, you see the pitch. It's like heavens have opened an hour and a half before the game. Absolute mud bath. It was, I was just waiting for kind of Ronnie Radford to make it. In fairness, <laughs> sometimes the second half. Do you remember that? The old, the old famous Ronnie. Is a Ronnie Radford FA Cup goal for Newcastle? No, that's it. Plays a one-two. Balls bobbling everywhere. And this El Nour hits from forty yards, top corner. Fans on the pitch. Yo, rattlers in the air. Wasn't for, quite nineteen forties. I think. For Hereford against Newcastle. Hereford uh, Newcastle was a Ronnie Radford. Seventy-one, seventy-two. Must remember that. Ah, oh, Jay, you've let yourself down there. The, the that's mud, all time. The mud makes an FA Cup tie. Whoa! <laughs> what a goal! Back then, I think that's a traditional thunder bastard. Good goal. 
So I'm, oh, I'm, great watching, it on, I'm watching it on YouTube. Yeah, I'm surprised, you don't, <coughs> I'm surprised you don't remember it. I'm too young. What the hell are you talking about? <coughs> <coughs> but I had that feeling last night, even watching the, the game, and obviously the last thing John was commenting, John Harrison was commentating on a really kind of, you know what I mean, feeding into it. Oh, conditions, this is FA Cup, what it's all about. Middlesbrough going to be up for it. They're not up for it, you can tell. <laughs> but you could sense it early on. Fair play to Newport. Played the conditions better from what I saw early in the game. No, I'm delighted for them, and I'm delighted for the players, even the bit of exposure that uh, that they get. I've said like I've lost a bit of a lot of enthusiasm for the FA Cup, and I have done sadly, but it's, it's, um, still, it's great for the uh, smaller teams and the players in particular. You know, professionals who spend most of their careers kind of in the shadows, really, uh, in terms of eking out a, a wage from the game. But you know, on occasion, occasions such as this. You know, get a little bit of exposure, which they which they deserve. So yeah, delighted for the club and the, the the lad in particular. But on a general level, I just I just literally cannot roll out my bed and switch on an FA Cup tie. You didn't even watch Arsenal days. Manchester United two weeks ago. You no, know, I watched, no, I watched that one. I watched that because I was I was genuinely interested in the game in terms of Solskjaer how he was going to uh, set up the team, and I felt both teams would put out strong teams in that particular game. So I, I did watch that game for for different reasons though. But yeah, it's a shame really. I have to admit it. Yeah, it's a shame. I just can't, just just can't muster up the enthusiasm for me. It's just lo- it's lost. It's, it's lost. It's, ma- it's magic. Do we need to um, start revisiting the value of careers that people like Park Hammond are having, and start thinking that actually in the future it's going to be Championship players and League One players mostly that our players who go from Ireland end up having those types of careers. That the the days of players having routine Premier League careers. From an Irish perspective, are over. Oh no, well, I wouldn't go as far as that, Jer. Uh, that's a little bit too uh, pessimistic. I mean, that, that's kind of indicates that there's, there's no talent pool of players whatsoever. It's, it's, not, it's not the talent pool; it's that the competition is so intense that, like, where the, are, are the best. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, best I, under fifteen is now from Cork and Dublin are now not up against Manchester and Liverpool. They're up against Lagos and um, Brazil, and like they're up against everywhere in the world. Yeah, no, 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 it's true. In terms of that pathway for young Irish players, it's more difficult than it, uh, than it ever has been. But I'm always encouraged. I'm always encouraged just just purely by the terms of the, the talent pool of players that, that we have, and I do, do always genuinely feel, you know, talent comes uh, through in the end. So whether they've got to go a different route to get there in terms of actually ploy their trade at a lower level for a longer period of time, whether players actually have to forge a career actually over in the in the League of Ireland going forward. That that be something I hope may well be the case going forward. Now we spoke about an article there in Oil in the papers this morning in terms of some big ideas, in terms of um, uh, restructuring the the whole the League of Ireland situation over here, and that's interesting because you know, I, I think the pathway of actually forging a career at League of Ireland uh, level for a number of years and using that as a springboard to get yourself across the England Championship or even higher, I think that's a viable alternative uh, for players and will be. Going forward, but that'll only be the case if we've got the right structures in, in place over here, and we can actually offer players something over here to say, "Look, forget yeah. about jumping across Division Two football. There, stay here. Uh, you'll get some good coaching over here. It's a good le- level of football. Good young talent playing around you, and you're going to develop and actually improve as a League of Ireland player, as opposed to you know jumping ship too early." One question I always had about that was, um, you hear so often about players who. You know, they'd be a, they'd be a better player in a better team. And is this a real thing? Like, are there players who might struggle in the championship or in League One who could actually play in a good team in the Premier League? Is that a real thing? I think in some cases it can. Yeah, in terms of the quality of players and, and, and quality of coaching, 
I'd say I'd suggest as well. I know we talk about I'll get the structures in, in, in place, improved facilities, and all, all those type of things. You know, better training ground facilities. And that, yeah, yeah, to a point that that is fair. But for me, it's all about quality coaching is absolutely huge, particularly for a young young player developing the ages. 12, 14, 16, the quality of coaching that you get on a day-to-day basis uh, on, the, on, the, on the training pitch for me is, is absolutely huge. And if you've got players around you of a certain level as well and you're, you're working with them uh, on a daily basis as well, almost through a period of uh, process of kind of ob- osmosis really, you know what I mean? You just ab- absorb things in. You Culture. Know, naturally, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your working environment. So all of those things there... Uh, uh, do matter. I know talk is cheap, and we've been talking about it for a, for a long time. But it's, it's interesting that kind of story's come up a couple of times. I know Noel spoke, and I've read it a couple of times, and it is very interesting because I've always felt the way forward potentially, maybe not a natural break between the FAI and the, and the league over here. But I've just felt something run on a, on a commercial basis with the amount of people that we have over here. This the amount of successful businessmen who love their sport, very sharp, very bright, obviously keen to get involved and have got themselves involved over years in terms of the guy even in the hurling over here and even to a certain extent uh, the international scene as well if somebody could tap into that and pull all of that together whether it's Noel or somebody else I'm still convinced we've got a vehicle over here to have a successful and flourishing like a kind of product a League of Ireland product so but that is the thing, isn't it? It's the divorce of the FAI from the League of Ireland. And how likely are the FAI to just say to someone like Niall Quinn, that's fair enough, we're going to let somebody else take over the League of Ireland? I don't yeah, think they wanted the League in the first place. So they, they had to respect uh, I'm, I'm not saying they don't, I'm just asking like, the question. But in, originally, when it happened, like, the League was a complete basket case. That's why they stepped in to take it over. Like, yeah. The clubs were going bust because they, they wasted money they didn't have on wages. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see it in those uh, terms. For me, it's all about the it's about the League of Ireland. Can it flourish? Can it get can it get better? Uh, can it be a better environment for the for the for the players? Whether that, that's with an obvious attachment to the League of Ireland, or there needs to be like detachment or a fracture between the association and the league for that to happen. For me, I'm actually not not, not overly bothered as long as we get to the place where. Uh, we need to be, and this isn't the case of picking up the stick and banging it over the heads of the, of the FAI. It's 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 whatever's best. If that means um, a close involved with, with the FAI going forward, great. If not, if the league's going to flourish uh, without that, actually put a distance between the association. You know, it's really whatever works like. Yeah, okay. There was one other thing we wanted to talk about. Uh, Kenny walked in and picked up the American football and went, Jesus, I'm really glad I didn't end up. Uh, staying up <coughs> to watch the game that you thought about it for a minute and then he was like oh yeah oh yeah you're going to bore me now about how it was a tactical <laughs> and then I was like uh, just, a, just a quick, quick question Kenny what, what, what I was angry at myself because I, I allowed myself to get sucked in because I watched a bit of the semi-final that's not even right it doesn't even sound like the semi-final game. yeah game. semi-final you know what I mean I was in my pal's house in Dublin he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a nut he loves it so I watched the first half of the, the Saints and the Rams really enjoyed it went really quick boom 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 yeah, I thought, oh yeah, that was that was, that was they had to go. They'll leave you to it. So the the final was was on the houses in London, and I saw it advertised. And it just whereas before it'd be like totally total disregard, no chance of staying up watching that. For a couple of seconds, I thought, do you know what? Shall I? Shall I stay up? Shall I stay up and watch that? Kind of mulled it over for a few seconds. No, no, I won't. Thank God. Thank God. From the reports that I heard, that was. Horrible. But you come in and you started 
bashing the sport because of one poor game. That's ah, not Because I was angry. Because I was angry. I allowed myself to dream a little bit. I allowed myself to dream a little bit. But it's like one of those moments everyone must have had them. You know, you just think after the event, say a sport event or anything else, you think, oh, thank God I did. Thank God I didn't stay up to... I, you know, one of those has moments. That, you must have had before? a few of them. Have you had? Well, you must have one of them. Some sporting occasion. You thought, "I'll buy a ticket, or I'll go and see that, or yeah, no, nah, I won't." And you think, oh, "Thank God, thank God, I didn't hang around for that." It was one of those moments. I mean, so what, what other sort of moments has that happened to you for? No, don't put it all on me. I'm throwing it to you. I'm throwing well, it to you. Your, your negativity is like a big dark cloud of doom well, over. Come, what are you NFL coming back? Or what are you going to say? Did you really enjoy the final? You obviously stood up to watch it. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying I'm, that you're, I'm you're ask negative you the same thing. towards the sport. I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked outside. What did you think of um, the nil-all draw in the Champions League final between <laughs> Milan and Juventus that goes to penalties? I don't know. If it's a poor comparison. Yeah, I said it to you already. I think that's a, a poor comparison in terms of the average score during American football. Like you mentioned was expected to be about fifty-six points. 50 points I mean a nil-all draw is highly equates with a nil-all draw in football I don't think that's a that's a fair comparison it's a final I just couldn't understand how a team this is a final right this isn't like a tour division American football like college outfit turning up against the Patriots yeah, this is a top why. class team exactly top class how can you only muster I've seen lads kick the ball over the bar from like 50-60 yards you of all people should appreciate a good defence that's what was on the pitch and I'm not saying I enjoyed the game genius coaching yeah from but both. it's not in football as if in the halfway line you can start shooting you can start registering points in football from the half you can in, in American football you can literally kick the ball huge distances unless, it, unless the defence is so good that they you can't accumulating get position. why weren't they accumulating um, points their, their kicker actually had his uh, foot in a, a walking boot for the whole week he, he, he was injured, basically. And so he missed one at the end, which would have made six points, and there would have been a touchdown, eight-point difference, whatever it was. <coughs> yeah, but I, I think my uh, nil-all draw... You said At least can say this to me. Th- this was horrible. It, it was a bad game. It, it was it, bad. Thank you. It, it wasn't thank great. you. It wasn't great. Well, I'm not talking down the game uh, completely. I'm not, that, I'm not trashing the whole game. You said that nil-all draw was an all-time great. Was it? What did you say about it, the nil-all draw? No, I, I loved it. I said I loved the game. It was a... It was a fantastic game. Two top quality teams uh, going at it tactically, spot on. High quality in terms of tech, technical levels. We need to get you on the basketball bandwagon. Tommy's just reminded me of this. There was a, a three-all Barca Bayern game a couple of years back, and you're like, "No, that was, that was a terrible game." I remember now. The nil all is your yeah. thing. It's I like, Jer, come on. Surely you're not going to start making the argument. You know, plenty of goals in a game constitutes a wonderful game. You just made that football. Uh, I mean, if you're going to start making that, you're going to start making that argument. You just made that like the NFL game. No, you're going to start football. We're talking now. <laughs> Two totally different sides. The comparison's a poor one. <laughs> Joe, Joe did the same thing a couple of weeks ago in relation to basketball. Start making comparison relation, which is the same in terms of the scores. That you can accumulate in basketball as opposed to oh nil all in football basketball you get I mean it's ridiculous really isn't it it's nah. not really oh, the, millennials, the millennials love this here's what's coming up uh, so we're going to talk about the Six Nations around about uh, 8.45 our big reveal coming around about 8.35 this morning uh, King Kenny talking <laughs> football around about 25 past 8 Darren Cleary's going to be in about 10 minutes and in the meantime we'll talk you through what's in the uh, newspaper headlines this morning so <laughs> who was that man yeah um, revel. that wasn't a big revel what? that wasn't at 8.35 Oh, those, big those big, the big sweets, like yeah. uh, minstrels, right? Minstrels, right? Revels, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> minstrels and revels are si- brother and sister. What's the difference? Well, well, revels had a raisin in the middle, didn't they? No, revels were there was a mixture. Oh, you so, couldn't tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's why I got four, fed up with them. Kind of more nut based, wasn't it? There, there was a mixture, so you got oh, like. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your minstrel. You got yeah. your uh, like raisin, and, and it, there was other things. You used to get them fudge. They were in your like 
selection box they revels that you know the stockings yeah you know that's yes yeah, so you got a little yeah they're slightly you know, disappointing yeah but you're not just they got me Cadbury's selection box yeah one. revel is like the 27th of December sort of a like great bargain, yeah. bargain book no, I think we can all agree on that uh, Ireland need to find a plan C <laughs> if they want to reach a World Cup semi-final it's um, the silhouette of Jacob Stockdale in the back um as Tom Reddy, as Henry, Say, Henry Slade scores England's fourth last uh, last week, and then um, ticket touting rampaging, uh, rampant, sorry, rather than the Six Nations, four hundred nineteen thousand euros for sale on Viagogo. That's a report from the Guardian this morning. Um, Keith Earl says he was hit late twice by Mara Toje, but doesn't want to linger on it. And then there's a story about Trevor Francis, um, the first million pound player to move when he moved to the Forest in '79. Was Trevor Francis a good player? I don't really remember him that much. Oh, little bit. Before my time, but I remember watching a little bit of him play. Yeah, fantastic player. Dribbler. Technical technical qualities as well. Who, yeah. Like who, after him, who would you compare him to? Oof. Uh, it was difficult because he was quite tall, Trevor, like six foot, because he used to live in a... I remember speaking to him. A, a bit of a funny old character, Trevor, uh, to, be <laughs> to be honest with you. How so? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit kind of, I um, uh, didn't know him too well, to be honest with you, but the time that he played, he would have played, you know, football, rah, 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 you know, they, he played that, For that club. era yeah. of, of football, but kind of quite well-spoken, uh, Trevor, you know, wouldn't have been one of them, I wouldn't have thought in the dressing room, ah, you know, that, yeah. in with the crowd, so I maybe stood aloof a little bit. Uh, from the crowd did he play abroad for a, a number of years Trevor I don't know actually he strikes me the type of player could have flourished on the uh, on the continent um, so what you're, you're saying that he played in, he played in maybe America a little, maybe a little bit of the, little bit of Eden, uh, Eden Hazards would have, you know physically oh, yeah? been a different type of, yeah. yeah in terms of technical ability wow and considering the type of pitches as you know they played on back back then back yeah. in the day and in terms of how the game was played in terms of tackling etc so he's a hard man on the pitch but not so much off it no is that what you're trying well, to say? Well, I wouldn't say I had... No, that's not, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I have you listened to what I've been saying at all? <laughs> but I said he was well-spoken. He yeah, was well that, that, That's he, what I mean, as in like... Hazard. <laughs> Where did the hard man come from? Well, no, I mean the, the rah, rah, rah on the <laughs> that pitch. That was the era. The yeah. era. So yeah. he was kind of a, an anomaly in the era. A bit dainty. Right, okay. Trevor, Trevor, a little bit dainty. That, he would have been described. That, that, no, that fits the description perfectly. I'm trying to dig you out here. I'm trying to dig you out no, a little thank bit. you for that. Oh, he played for, he played for Atalanta for a season. And Santoria, he did play for Santoria. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Absolutely, just flourished over there. Actually, Santoria. Just Graham Souness would have uh, arrived on the scene as well. Did uh, Graham play with him? I say Graham as if obviously I'm on first first name terms with Graham, like, but um, obviously not. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he went for Santoria. He did. Yeah, so he played won the cup with the same team as Souness. That was it. First time <laughs> that ever won a cup. And um, then he joined Atalanta. For 800 grand, so uh, they obviously thought he was worth some money. Solskjaer makes the case to be permanent Manchester United boss, and Quinn Rue set to start as Ringrose and Toner out of the Scotland clash. Um, Toner and Ringrose, not a great combination to be losing. Like the key for your defence at 13 and the man who calls your lineouts. So, yeah, that's not great news for Ireland out of the Scotland game. Uh, we're not a bad team overnight. <coughs> Earls hits back at Ireland's critics, and Kieran Shannon's stuttering start. But 2019 can still be golden year for Ireland, and he makes a comparison with the years at year 2000. Year 2000, we got absolutely destroyed by England in the first game, 50 points to 18. So uh, that was under Warren Gatland. Uh, then what, 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 then what happened in the Scotland game? Scotland game, we absolutely hammered Scotland. Then the second week out, there was a week break back then. Beat them 44 points to 22. Brings in a, a raft of changes. 
like new halfback pairing in, in Rajan Stringer and uh, a number of other things that, that are that are changed throughout that day and they play play a lot better and they win. Obviously they go to Paris then after that and Brian O'Driscoll scores that try and then they lose uh, yeah and, and then they lose to Wales at home. How do you remember all that? Uh, is that you you say it, back, you back in 2000? You read it this morning in the paper. Oh, literally. I didn't read it this morning. It's, it's, the, it's right off the top of my head, You were two. It's right off the top of my head. Well, I'm, giving you too much credit. I'm giving you too much credit there. I wasn't two in 2000. That's harsh, Jerry. That's oh, really right. Like the agent that goes on in the studio is disgusting. He knows his, he knows his rugby on. I'll give him that. He doesn't know his rugby. What age are you? It's five and a half. Okay, five and a half. Nichols banking on clan to blaze the trail. Paul Nichols yesterday outlined his hopes and dreams for securing an 11th trainer's title while also warning his rivals Clan des Oboe, the King George VI chase hero, and leading Magner's Cheltenham Gold Cup contender, Bulmers. Uh, was ready to join the select band of superstar chasers so that's that and then uh, top spot in sight for title favourites Manchester City are now the shortest price of any team to win the league they are odds on and Liverpool are slight odds against uh, I'm going to start with the Times Ireland edition this morning uh, we are putting our place uh, admits Earls on the back of the paper here this morning they've also got that photograph of Paul Dragamon there and that uh, Nile Quinn story which we may touch back on a little bit later on Dare to Dream uh, We Can Improve so he's been uh, speaking over the last couple of days and he wants a figure north of 100 million euro over a five year period that's what he thinks is necessary to put his dream for Irish football uh, into reality just to touch on uh, one story on the inside of the paper uh, Matt Dickinson writing this morning in the Times it's Stakes High Doctors Tribunal, it'll be covered across most of the papers, particularly in the UK this morning. That is because uh, the tribunal of Dr. Richard Freeman begins in Manchester today. So uh, he resigned from British Cycling 16 years ago. He's alleged to have ordered testosterone in May 2011. So 30 sachets of testogel showed up uh, in his offices and he's got to prove that it wasn't for performance-enhancing reasons. That tribunal starts today. It reminded us of uh, this image when his book arrives into the office last year. Of course, Dr. Richard Freeman is at the centre of the Jiffy Bag scandal and uh, the Jiffy Bag was what contained the line where sport and medicine, where medicine and sport collide uh, by Dr. Richard Freeman last year. Um, the back page of the Mirror this morning is ruthless. Guardiola urges his city stars to keep on banging in the goals in case their prem title defence goes to the wire. And it's the same story on the back of the star this morning. City won't crack. Pep turns up the title heat on Nervy Liverpool. Now, you've also got uh, an, an FA story here asking Klopp to explain refuse. So he's been asked by the Football Association to submit an explanation for his criticism of referee Kevin Friend oh. after Monday's draw against West Ham. What did he uh, say? It was weak. That's got to be honest, it was really weak. Uh, Klopp said, we had good moments coming through the channels and scored the goal, which I've now been told this is offside. This explains a little bit the second half, because he knew for sure at half-time, and then you saw a lot of strange situations. They were not decisive, but just rhythm breakers. That obviously didn't help us. Um, as a human Keeping being... Keeping the referee even ended up, because he gave an offside goal. Yeah, yeah you gotta keep, he's got to just shut up and get, uh, get on with it, because it didn't, didn't come across uh, Gray very kind of negative-like, you know what I mean? The other story here in the back page is Sam a big fan of rice. So uh, I'm not sure Sam Allardyce stabbing Ireland in the back, you know, and uh, his counterparts. What's he doing? I can't, like, surely he'd be like, go on, sign for Ireland, no? He hasn't committed for Ireland yet. England should play him quickly, very, very quickly, says Sam Allardyce. So uh, screw you, Sam. Basically. Yeah, go, go back to your point of wine there, Sam. Uh, back <laughs> to the article mail is Hazard closes in a £100 million Real deal. Uh, Kenny Cunningham shows his eyes to heaven not having this. No, no, no. I just wish he'd get on and do it. I'm just sick of reading about it. And uh, back page of the Herald. He knows what he wants now. <sighs> so do we. 
Cup King Amund, Irish ace Podrick is a toast of Newport again with goal to set up Dream City tie and move to get the dubs out of Croker. We were speaking about this a couple of weeks ago that Donegal had proposed a motion that no team can play their home game in the Super 8s in Croke Park. That motion will go to Congress this month on February the 22nd. It is yeah. going to be interesting to see if that one does pass. It does need 60% to get through. I think this one is going to be one of the really tight ones. I mean, what, doesn't, so what's doesn't, the yeah? What's the general consensus so there? Obviously, that one Dublin playing any of those games. You know what happened last year? Dublin ended up getting two games in Croker, yeah. and everybody else got yeah. one game in Croker. Right. And everybody says, "Well, that's unfair because it's Dublin and they're in Croker and they're in Croker twice." Like the the rules are supposed to be: there's a Croke Park game, uh, uh, an away game, and a home game. And Dublin have a Croke Park game, a Croke Park game, and an away game. If they change the designation of the Croke Park game to a neutral game, everybody would have a neutral game, a home game and a Croke Park game except the team who plays Dublin now Dublin aren't going to be allowed to have a home game in Croker and uh, Dublin might end up having to play Mayo in Port Leash or Clonus or I mean Belfast if they build that stadium at some point or Cork or it's a, Killarney it's a, it depends It depends. if Mayo win the Connacht Championship it's not going to be against Mayo so whoever whoever yeah, for me, the way I look at it, there's every chance. They haven't deciphered the fixtures yet. In Dublin Super 8 group, it's going to be Dublin, the Connacht winners, and the Munster runners-up and the Ulster runners-up are the team that beats them. So there is a situation where Dublin could have to play a Tyrone, a Donegal, or a Monaghan at home, but they're not allowed to play it in Croke Park. So suddenly, it could be Dublin against one, another Division 1 team in Parnell Park. It couldn't be, though. It surely. couldn't be. Surely not. So therefore, Dublin would then have to play a home game outside of their own county which just seems ridiculous. The idea should have been that they can't play a neutral game in Croke Park because let's face up here and let's address the elephant in the room. Croke Park is Dublin's home ground. It is one of their home grounds. People can have two home grounds. Kerry's got two of them. Dublin have got two of them. Parnell Park and Croke Park. If we face up to this idea and just not allow Dublin to play their neutral game in Croke Park, this situation will be avoided. But there seems to be a fear of actually mentioning Dublin in this motion and Donegal have not mentioned Dublin in this motion. To be fair, that might actually help the motion to pass. So, it's, if it does get through, it's going, it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, and just one final newspaper for me this morning. It's the back of the sun. Here we go again. Here we go again, I should say. Pep looking on the plus side. They're up against Everton tonight, and uh, they'll go top of the table temporarily. So, Quick one here, sorry. The um, front of the star, the back of the star, is silly one crack. Um, uh, it will be Regency Part 2. Uh, events with top MTK boxer Tyson scrapped. Threat of attacks over Kinahan Link. This is the story that um, they have. Anti-Kinahan threats before boxing events. So Tyson Fury was due to speak at the Helix and also um, at an event in Cork. But both events have now been cancelled following um, anti-Kinahan graffiti. Um, the Tyson Fury event has been cancelled in Dublin and Cork. A mechanism for ru- refunds has been put in place. Details are online. There was minor criminal damage to the Helix, which has been referred to in Garda Shikana. So this graffiti actually happened at the Helix in uh, DCU. So um, I'm sure you'll hear a bit more about that across the day. Now, uh, another big weekend of GAA coming up this weekend. We've actually got a brand new Gaelic football show starting today at half past 12 across the off-the-ball platforms. Billy Joe Padden joined Joe last night to talk Tyrone. Last year's all-out runners-up have had a fairly disappointing start to 2019. Tyrone will be well conditioned come the summer they're a physically fit team and they have good athletes and they have 30 fellas of a high level that, that, that are already operating you know at that level and maybe that maybe that it's as simple as that they haven't done a whole lot now there is a lot of talk about them trying to change their approach and be less reactive and, and a more proactive team that can take the game to opponents Yeah, and maybe they are training that way and sometimes it's hard to change your tack quickly particularly when you're put under pressure like they were against Mayo when Mayo made such a good start after the initial 10 minutes and they just weren't able to react. And if you get caught between two stools, you can sometimes 
see passages of play like you described where no one really went to put a lay a finger on Keith mm. Higgins as he just waltzed around them. And that's something that they will address at time once they get more comfortable to playing a more expansive game plan if that's what they're doing. To be honest, watching the game, I didn't see too much of that expansive football. And to be honest, what I saw was the missing a fellow like Colm Kavanagh playing that sweeper role to perfection and being in that area where where they can break down attacks and then start attacks of their own. And uh, I suppose the other thing that was a surprise really is that Tyrone really missed and Peter Hart, one of their better footballers, kicked a lot of balls into the goalkeeper's hands early in the game. And it could have been a different game if they had kicked those because it would have given them confidence and, and maybe wouldn't have allowed Mayo to gain as much confidence from getting that early lead. Uh, Trevor Francis equals Teddy Sheringham, says Digger for him. Uh, right? no, no, in comparison. Yeah. Mm, no, I'd have to say no. Teddy was like more one pace. Trevor had a real burst of acceleration, kind of quite dynamic in his movement. Teddy's a little bit more. What, what's the word? Lays on fit? Lasse. 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 I'm truly <laughs> humble that you return to me for the French pronunciations here, not Jared. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Darren Cleary is with us, licking his wounds after the news that the, um, the Doves might not get to play a cheating two games in Croke Park. So complicated. The, the, the fate of the five in a row is in the delegates' hands at Congress. I'm so glad I have another dub here beside me because you'll be Darn. less anti-dub with Kenny here. No, no. Just, we, we could play out in St. Dan's, but it let's be honest, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, it doesn't at all. I mean, good playing surfaces out in St. Dan's, actually. Decent yeah, playing yeah, surfaces. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense, in fairness. Like, they should have done that's it from the start. That's not being reasonable, Darren. That's not why we have you here. <laughs> Come on. The voice of reason. Yeah. That's not right. Come on. Come on. There seems to be a bit too I much I will reason. not be baited here. No, I think it's fair enough that Dublin play one game in Crow Park like everyone else. But what if they have to play a home game? Oh, he's got to muddy the waters. In need. That's, that's At a neutral ridiculous. venue. It's ridiculous. I do feel that the, the confusion, the anomaly that Dublin is the centre of the country and Dublin is the capital city. People are horrified and confused that there is a city that unfortunately tends to be the hub of what happens in this country. Strong man, but go on. It's true. No one cares about that. That's not. Everybody knows Croke Park is Dublin's home ground. They play all the league games there. They play all the championship games. Parnell Park is like the local ground for local teams. Why can't uh, Why can't Dublin travel down to Parky Cueve and play there? Because Parky Cueve is in Cork, and the Dublin GAA team are based in Dublin. But I mean, as a neutral game, I d- I've no problem with the neutral game. Yeah, that sounds fair. like that. I think that's that's, 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 that's the solution here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Not now. But have you seen the state? It's too late now. The state the, of Porky Cueva. Well, that and also this be is, there. the motions are set now, right? Effectively. Yes. Yesterday we, there was a briefing about what motions are going forward and what, what aren't. The Donegal motion that's going forward is that Dublin won't be allowed to play their home game at Crow Park. Which is so disingenuous yeah. that Donegal are worried about the, uh, the state and the integrity of the game at this stage when they voted for the motion, which included ah. a Crow Park ah. round, that's, a that's home ground, and an away ground. No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, they knew it, it, what the motion really, was. That the motion was the Super 8s are being implemented. So yeah. they didn't read the motion, which oh, clearly okay. stated so you're not, home you're not game, vote against, Crow Park game, vote away game. They should have voted against the Super 8s because there's this one stupid part of it. If the legislation is flawed, you don't vote to pass it. You in, the GEA, in the GEA, we'll come back, in the GEA, you kind of have to get Congress, these things through. It's too late. Rewrite it. I it's don't understand the then confusion. The, then there would have been no super age last year. I mean, not probably not this year. But let's do it properly instead of half arse again. If there's going to be issues, it was half arse. It got through, and they fixed it. So fair play to Donegal for fixing. I say, right? You say Donegal are a shower of uh, not in my backyards. But anyway, what's going to happen is that this thing is going to go forward, and everybody's going to pick the holes in it, right? The hole is. 
that Dublin are going to end up having to play a home game in a neutral venue. It's stupid. They, they won't have to now, in fairness. Dublin are the only team in the Super 8s that will not have a home game next year. Well, they will. They'll have a the Crow Park game. They will. They'll home. have a game at Crow Park. Crow Park is the Crow Park round. It's not a, a yeah, dead home game. Ground. But that's that's it, semantic. <sighs> that's semantic. Can I, can I ask you one question? The biggest draw in Leinster is Dublin, so it makes sense for Dublin to play <laughs> in the biggest ground in Leinster. Just one last question. I'm confused by the amount of... Where do Dublin play their home league games? They played them in Crow Park and exactly away wherever they go. So sorry, you were saying. But oh, that's Park the, ca- their home game. That's the cater their for the demand. We don't have uh, grounds the same size you have in Kerry. We don't have grounds the same size they have in Ulster it's or in Munster. What's the capacity Unfor- of Parnell Park? Parnell Park might be nine thousand. Yeah, same as Ulster Park, where Kerry against Dublin is taking place this Saturday. So uh, sorry, you said it'll be Dublin's choice. What, what did you mean? Because it's their home game, so you can play your game wherever you want. It's up to their own county. So why can't they play, play in Crow Park? So they'll play in Parnell. Uh, so that's what, that's what the rule is. The rule will preclude them from picking Crow Park as their own home ground. That's, that's what Donegal have uh, let, Let's just take around the country. Be, be like the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the thing is, the Dublin fans look, look around a bit of love. Just spread a bit of love around the country. Football to the mass. I would actually yeah. say the Dublin fans want to play their it. home league games in Parnell Park from now on because you look at the crowd that was there last Saturday night and it was 16,000? Yeah, like yeah, that game bad. would have been much better suited in, in Parnell Park. I, th- I think the problem is there's, there's not a medium-sized ground that will cater for Dublin and they got the spa well site they initially wanted to build a stadium on it they've gone down a different road they want to to put a centre of excellence there and that's fine but at the same time if this issue about Dublin having use of Crow Park is going to continue they probably need to find some address that's not playing our games in Munster or playing our games in Connacht or Ulster just play there have, don't have a Crow Park round have a neutral round and that game if you have to play Dublin in Dublin's neutral round will exactly. be somewhere Nice, like exactly. like Parker Cueve or just not Clonus. Just that, not that was made. a solution that should have been come up with. Uh, the, what would have fixed all of this is the birdie ball, a, 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 a <laughs> medium-sized ground somewhere in Dublin. Out to Abbottstown we go. I mean, what happened to the days where playing in Crow Park would be an honour for every county? Well, and players would want to do everything <laughs> they could. Getting the to shit get kicked out of you by Dublin is no longer an honour, Darren. It turns out when you snub their faces in it like a dog in its own snot. Well, we nearly, Kevin we, Cassidy did say it was an honour last year. We nearly muddied the water some years ago. Wimbledon, there was a big talk of we were going to come over and relocate to Dublin. I don't know if you remember, oh, remember yeah, yeah. that story. Eamon Dunphy was your chief cheerleader. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of traction back in the day. I remember yeah. speaking to some people at Wimbledon saying, oh, this is, we're really, we're going to push this. We think there's an opportunity here to make something happen. Yeah, never. Would you have liked it? Oh, Amazing! You'd have Dublin Dons on your doorstep. A Premiership uh, football team located in the and good, good for Irish football. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Obviously, that's a that's a different type of argument. But in terms of like dropping a Premier League football club uh, into into the middle of Dublin, what, what kind of ground swell of support that would have got? I think that would have been would have been a natural affiliation there. People would have. I mean, the, the Premiership product is huge, isn't it? Yeah, at that particular, it was just growing then at that particular time. Anyway, I think which would have been when was that nineties, OOS or whatever. Yeah, I mean late nineties, made a huge amount of sense, but I'm not exactly sure why. Obviously, it n- never happened. Owen would have been protesting on the streets, etc. Owen would have been would four have years of age <laughs> <laughs> in his buggy protesting on the streets. You know, if you're not protesting when you're in your buggy, when are you going to protest, Kenny? <laughs> um, the magic of the FA Cup <coughs> hasn't been lost today because it's thrown up a dream for Newport County. Carlo Man Potter Gammon scored as they shocked Middlesbrough 2-0. They'll now face Premier League champions Manchester City in the fifth round of the competition. Goalkeeper Joe Day didn't have very long to enjoy the victory. After the game, he found out his wife had gone into labour when he turned on his phone. Michael Flynn is the Newport manager. He did turn his phone off. 
Um, he, he was fully focused. I thought he was excellent tonight. And as soon as the whistle went, he's run up to me and said, can he go? And I said, of course you can. Do you want to lift? Um, he sprinted off. It's the quickest I've seen him move, actually. Um, but, listen, my, all our thoughts with um, Joe and Lizzie and the arrival of the Twins, because if, if they come tonight, what a, what a special, special mm. birthday they'll have. You'll have to call him Robbie and Pod- Podrick, wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know, mate. Nah, I wouldn't <laughs> go that far. Do you know she's going to leave it? I don't know. I don't know. Um... But the way he sprinted off, I'd say, is a very good chance that she has. Too many questions for the pregnancy there. I'm surprised he switched his phone on. <laughs> Man, you've, you've just dumped Middlesbrough out of the FA Cup. The dressing room must have been absolutely bouncing. The last thing you did was go to your phone, switch your phone on. Your missus left a message there, like, get your ass down to the hospital. That should, that should get out of jail card, didn't it? My phone was off. I couldn't. Someone took my phone. My jacket went missing. It was mayhem in there, love, in the dressing room. I couldn't. By the time I got to the nightclub at 2 in the morning, found out where my phone was. That was the first opportunity I had to phone. You'd have no hope to go to if you did that. You'd definitely be in the doghouse. Porter Cameron, not the only Irishman on the score sheet last night. Matt Doherty netted twice for Wolves. They came through a very tricky replay, eventually beating Shrewsbury 3-2 at Molyneux. QPR <coughs> secured a home tie with Watford by beating Portsmouth 2-0 at Loftus Road. Brentford ended Barnett's Cup run with a dream 3-1 win, and the Championship side will be away to Swansea in Round 5. Question here from Digger for Darren. Dubs fans say they spent the money wisely. Why is Parnell Park not fit for purpose then? Other counties had to upgrade their stadiums. Dubs had one ready-made in Broker. Kildare and Waterford got penalised. Why not Dublin? Well, I would say they put their, their resources into developing people instead of places. Well, they I don't put, think oh, that's they put the GAA that Central into Beautiful, beautiful comeback, Darren. Love it. I don't think there's any wrong with that. Elevated the whole conversation there. Who's, yeah, who's money did, whose money did they put into that? People. It's all, it's all about people. The GAA's you know. money, yeah. Yeah, people, buildings. You know, people over building. Always invest in your people, Jerry. Always. I always. can't wait for your PowerPoint presentation on this. <laughs> so corporate. <laughs> We've got one behind you there. Where's the blue, the blue yeah, wave? Yeah, in the uh, office. Man City could go back to the top of the Premier League tonight if they beat Everton. City will once again have close to a full deck to choose from. Victory in the clash will send City back to the top of the Premier League on goal difference after Liverpool drew their last two games against Leicester and West Ham. Man City still without captain Vincent Company. The Belgian defender has been ruled out with a muscular injury. No timescale on his return yet. Benjamin Mendy is being eased back in after knee surgery but City otherwise have a fully fit squad Everton midfielder Idrissa Gay returns from a groin injury the Senegal international was the subject of a rejected deadline day bid from PSG he is likely to go straight back into the side which will miss Phil Jagielka and Yeremina who are both carrying knocks alright Darren Tyke Furlong says radical overhaul will not be needed to address the issues that cost Ireland against England. The Grand Slam dream dashed in comprehensive fashion. Ireland hammered at home. They'll train tomorrow as attention turns to that showdown with Scotland and the Leinster man believes now is not the time to panic. Look, losing games is never nice. Um, but it doesn't mean you, <clears throat> you throw it all away either and you start changing things massively. I think if we get back to you know the accuracy that... Um, that we can bring, uh, you know, we're confident we can bring the performance as well. And, um, obviously, you have to take the learnings, but you don't carry, um, you know, hurt with you into into this weekend and maybe try to do something you wouldn't usually do or, or whatever. You know, just go back to what we do well. Now, Rory McIlroy has revealed he knew he would become one of the top golfers in the world, even as a kid. The 29-year-old has spoken about a letter he wrote to Tiger Woods when he was nine years old. The golfer was on Jimmy Fallon last night and revealed he penned the trash-talking note that warned Woods he would become the best player ever, he would beat him, and to watch out for him. McIlroy had just won the 1998 Junior Golf Classic in Florida for the 10 to 11 age group. Woods was the world number one-ranked player at the time. It's not known yet, though, if Woods actually got the letter. 
Investigators have launched an underwater operation to recover a body from the wreckage of the plane carrying Emiliano Sala and pilot David Botson. The light aircraft crashed while flying from France to Cardiff near the British island of Guernsey on the 21st of January. The shipwreck hunter hired by Mr Sala's family found the plane wreckage on Sunday. The Accident Investigation Board have since retaken operations and they hope to recover the unidentified body but have warned that it will be difficult because if these strong tides mean they can only use the remotely operated vehicle for limited periods during the day. Darren, good stuff. Thanks very much for that. Now we will have our new signing in studio just after half past eight this morning. First, a bit of football. Uh, the BBC's Phil McNulty joined off the ball last night to talk about the future of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Have a look. And of course, his big success and someone you would almost regard as symbolic of what he's done there is Marcus Rashford, who is in absolutely blistering form at the moment, the winner again at Leicester City. And you're right, it's a big month coming up for him. Uh, he's already making a great impression, I would imagine, on all the people behind the scenes in the boardroom at Old Trafford. If he can get them through to the next round of the uh, of the Champions League by overcoming PSG in the last 16, and also there's a home game against Liverpool, if he can win that, then his case is really big. Building. And funnily enough, now you, you look at PSG when the draw was made and Mourinho was there and United were flat as a fluke, as it were, and struggling to win any sorts of games convincingly. Everyone looked at that draw and thought, mm, they're not going to do that. Mm. Now I think people are looking at completely differently. Manchester United are in form, they're confident, and of course PSG have lost Neymar. So I think the, the emphasis has shifted there, and I think Manchester United will really fancy their chances over two leg against PSG. If they can do that, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can get them through that, then he will really strengthen his case. I mean, I'm not quite sure it, it's the done deal some people are saying, whether uh, in the end Ed Woodward will go for the big hitter in the shape of Pochettino and whether Pochettino will then want it or whether Real Madrid will want Pochettino. But certainly, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done better than anyone could have expected. Yeah, except maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, can he... They've got to give him the job if he beats PSG, right? <laughs> you just have to make a knee-jerk decision <coughs> and put the future of this £3 billion company in the hands of a guy who's managed for 10 games. It's the right thing to do. No, I take your point. I take your point. I think they should, uh, shouldn't should rush into anything. I think they should stick to the, the set of uh, criteria which they uh, publicly came out at the time in the show. So I walked in the door. They're going to take their time. They're going to evaluate a number of candidates uh, and eventually come to the decision uh, at the end of the season I still don't think he's the first choice I still think I still see it the same as I did when he first took the job I think there's managers out there who would be forced on their radar Pochettino in particular potentially even Allegri those type of players but I probably said at the time when he first came through the door Charles guy, his best chance would be if for any reason they couldn't extricate those uh, managers from the jobs uh, that they were in and that may well be the case I think the longer it goes on I look at Pochettino I think it's going to be hard to get him out there um, at this moment in time, I don't, I can't see that one happening. Pochettino, I think he'd have to really kick his way out the door there at uh, Tottenham. I don't think that's going to happen. His relationship is too strong with the owner, with the players, and and the club itself. And I don't think Tottenham would make it easy. So I actually can actually see the Pochettino one uh, happening on a, on a number of levels. So if that's the case, and United are snubbed there, and potentially one or two areas, then clearly. Solskjaer comes into the uh, into the equation. Is that just like an evasion of hassle from a Manchester United perspective, though, where it's like oh, we can't be bothered going through jumping through all those hoops that are required to get Mauricio? No, Pacino. no, just no, just literally. No, no, I don't think it is. I think it's simple in that they just literally the managers out there on the contract they simply won't be able to get. They literally will not be able to get. They, they'll need to ha- receive a phone call from Pochettino's agents to say. He's willing to come and he's willing to push. Are you sure that, end. that none of those managers have an agent that is willing to push for the, their clients to go towards Manchester United? Because 
I would say Mauricio Pochettino's agent would want his clients to be a Manchester United manager, no? Well, well to be fair, I'm actually, in Pochettino's case, I'm not exactly sure he has a, an agency around. When he looks at himself, I think his brother's uh, involved as well. But from, from having watched Pochettino over the past couple of years, I actually think he's a very loyal uh, manager. And I think he's got a lot of um, emotional uh, attachment to the, to the football club. But I actually don't think... I, th- I think he will leave Tottenham. But my gut feeling tells me if he does leave Tottenham, it won't be for another English club. Real Madrid. Yeah, uh, possibly. Yeah, possibly Real Madrid. I think he'll go abroad before he comes back to to England. I don't think he'd he'd leave. I think I think he'd he'd feel as if he was letting down the sports supporters, and he would, he'd be destroying the relationship, the relationship that he's built up. But if, if he values loyalty so much, why would he go to Real Madrid, where loyalty is like the bottom of their list of values? It seems money. No, it's yeah, but it's but like the money can be given from Manchester United as well. Like yeah, it, but it's a huge challenge. Yeah, it's, but it, it is more, it's, but it's not. Yeah, it's a huge, much more. it's a huge challenge. It's Real, it's Real Madrid. The opportunity doesn't come along. Uh, too often he's already publicly gone on record I don't know of another manager who's gone publicly on record early in his managerial career to say he would never manage uh, Barcelona and he did that because of, of his affiliation with Espanyol their cross uh, uh, town rivals that was an amazing thing to come out and say to say that you would never on principle manage Barcelona because your attachment was too great to their small town rivals I remember reading that thinking wow that's somebody here who's actually quite principled that, this is quite unusual so that was because of that, because of that, and that kind of mentality, with that mindset which he has. Like I said, I think he'll find it difficult to step away from Tottenham and walk up to Old Trafford. All right, we might uh, get a chance to talk about this again because obviously that decision's not going to be made for a little while now. Uh, moving to rugby, Tyke Furlong was up for media duties yesterday, and he was asked to recall the bus debacle, debacle against uh, Scotland back in 2017. It's hard to say. I suppose if you look back, it was my first. I suppose proper Six Nations where you know I thought me, <clears throat> I was starting starting the game and yeah we were in the dressing room I think we we're, were pretty much in and out and we're out to warm up but, you know, it's no excuse either you have to be expect the unexpected it's what can you do you know you have to get on with it and it's hard to say if it affected or not but we definitely started slowly Were you going out on the bus like what was the atmosphere like on the bus if you were that late or did you know you were late did you know you were late I can't, I can't remember um you probably just tend to be in your own little zone in the bus, and but um, I don't I actually don't know. Do you notice the bus wasn't going where it should be going? You've, you've done that run before. I've n- I'd never done the run. I don't know. Um, all I knew was we were getting dressing room and it was a bit tight on time, so everyone threw on the boots and went outside. Left. Yeah, that's uh, Tyke Furlan talking about the uh, bus issue. Our big new signing is here, Ron Lagar. Good morning to you. How are you? Great, thanks. Hey guys. Kenny says you've got a nice colour for you. You've, um, <laughs> yes. you've come from another summer to the bleak midwinter of Ireland. He was admiring my top. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was admiring a bit of respect for a man. Bit of a, yeah, I was a bit of respect for a man who puts on pink first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I don't have much to say in retort to that guy. It's, uh, it's not bad with a tan, though. <coughs> yeah, I'll set it well. Right in February. Yeah. I like to think I can pull it off this it, morning. The tan. No, in, the, in pink the pink top. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's hot in here too. Well, it's you know, it's a big occasion. You know, tension with the being an off the ball. There you go. It's not every day. Well, you do exactly. Yeah. And yeah. So welcome aboard. Absolutely, yeah, it's great. No, it's what, what do you bring into the team? Um, how, how would you describe your talents? <laughs> <laughs> Accuracy and precision. Is that? <laughs> That's the buzzword this week, isn't it? Apparently so. Yeah, they, they all got um, they they all got media trained to within an inch of their lives this week ahead of. I I I, I saw Earlsy this morning. Red Keith Torres thought it was 
really impressive. Yeah. I obviously people say I'm biased because he's monster, but I actually I, I admire a guy who you know what I mean. Yes, it was his fault for shooting out the line, but like hundred percent my fault. It wasn't hundred percent his fault. Like the Ireland were a pace off and everything at the weekend. Like if you get an inner fold and people come around the corner, or is he, yes, it was his fault because he didn't see uh, Elliot Daly was there. So obviously you, we can leave. When you're defending, you can leave the last to the 15, but Keith didn't see that there was an extra attacker, which meant he was leaving two, which was the two-on-one running. So he miscalculated on the run, but like before that, you're kind of banking on your teammates to get around or slow up the ball, so there's kind of two potential scenarios before that would that would help mm. the team. Couldn't get the England player down, was it? It was down the lead-up show, was, wasn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, it was got the offload, yeah. but like, after that, there's still an opportunity like with, mm. with spacing, but mm. um, you know I me, mean? I think that augurs well for this weekend the fact that it was kind of the last thing you want to do is kind of I'm alright Jack I had a good game they're yeah. kind of gone we didn't play well uh, we realised we didn't play well it's a collective thing but at the same time uh, it's been I think if we rewind to this time last week we're talking about the most consistent Irish team ever and mm. all of a sudden typical Irish overreaction there I don't know I think this is doomed yeah uh, I, I'll talk about that in a minute because um, Stockdale is an interesting example of it. But just how, how realistic is it that um, Earls was targeted physically? Like, is that a, an express thing before the game? Because he says he was hit twice. You know, he's not going to make a big deal out of it in that piece. Um, it was a toe twice and he was hit again. So he's basically hit three times. Mm. Two of them were late. Yeah, and one was a absolute certain yellow card sometimes a case in some games Joe, like Atosha doing that sometimes warrants red Yeah, I don't think red was the right call but I, I, it was definitely a yellow card is it a coincidence that's no I, was, I would say most definitely um, so just on size alone like you'd Stockdale at whatever 6-4 on one wing Henshaw 6-2 or he's probably 5-11 yeah but he's a power athlete so he's the most explosive with the best CMJ in the Irish squad so the high ball is never an issue for him and physicality isn't but I think what people didn't bank on would maybe be the the front footballing we're getting and the precision that Farrell can kick consistently with like he peppered him like so the other side of it too even if if he catches it, he they were like if that's the touchline, it was kind of within four meters. So like you hit, and yeah. if he brings it into into the into touch, it's like a knock on because it's possession set piece possession to England, and then it's too laggy off the line, oh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, into run a ball around the corner into his brother, or phase three, uh, it told you. So uh, yeah, I, I, am I right in saying it was the first time since 2013 that England had those five players? Uh, Tuolagi, Atosia, the two Vinopolas and Farrell on the same team. Right, I didn't realise that, but... I'm, I, I'm not on... Well, I, I, I read that, but yeah. that mightn't be fact, but, like, there... What I take from it is those five on the team... Different team. Yeah. Yeah. Completely different team, like... And, and they feed off each other so well as well. They do, yeah, but as you say, if that's their hub, the five of them, it's world-class. Genuinely, there's no... You know what I mean? You can't really pick... Yeah. Uh, weaknesses in it, you know what I mean? People when like, you say world class, there on it, yeah. you talk about in and out possession of the football because it looked uh, obviously it was, it was, it was interesting watching the game at, at the weekend. We never seemed to be able to break through the, the line uh, yeah, no, I at any point in terms of when we were question. Yeah, it's overused, and I hope I'm very selective in that. And the fact that world class is a big, 
mantle to give them. But those five fellas from England, I think, are. Uh, and they don't play like that every week, mm. which is probably a contradiction in what I'm saying because they need to be doing that every week if they're beat world class. But they, I think uh, Itojo is hugely performing. The two Vinopolas, uh, like 27 tackles for a loose head prop is uncharted territory. Uh, mm. His brother is at number eight, just... He just makes rugby look easy because of his size and his power and um, I don't know where his or, uh, original heritage is from but like I have a lot, a lot of Fijians in my squad down below and they just they just love a ball. Mm. Once they get the ball they just get different people, you know. If you ask them to defend then it's slightly different but like, to be fair to the Vinopolis they put it in and Farrell was... Um, you can see he's Andy Farrell's son, you know, that league background, he's hard. Yeah. And if you have hard as a basic uh, ingredient, starting point, you're... He's also getting better. Like, yeah. the whole thing about it has ageing. Yeah. And, as you said, he has the age profile. And I, uh, he's with... Um, I think he he's mentored by Johnny Wilkinson, I think, which is... I mean, with Farrell's probably obsession and Wilkinson's obsession. I didn't know that. Is that I think like maybe... Is, is maybe uh, it kind maybe, of sporadic or is it like Yeah, a, I'd say it's probably not officially, but yeah. I think uh, I was just reading a few few interviews and I, and I think just in terms of probably the visualisation and yeah. uh, kicking side of the game, the mental side. Because it's like, got better. Like, he's definitely... He, you can see that there are some games where he always was he was always capable of putting that performance in but there was always this weird thing where England weren't sure if he was their number 10 that, yeah. that's been nailed and I, and I think that's the key point sure. absolutely I think that's like uh, for me he's an average 12 people think he's a good 12 I think he's an average 12 12 a brilliant 10 and you, they've made that decision but you look at all that run when England went on was it 18 games it was 4 to 10 which is I find it strange, but I think then they came unstuck. But I just think, from an opposition's point of view, Farrell at 10, Tulagi at 12, it's like yeah. they're beasts up front. And then they have a, a really, um, obviously, 10 and 12. But I suppose it was the likes of Ben Youngs and Johnny May that kind of hit levels that I haven't seen them before. And I watch a lot of rugby. So if that England team always perform like that they always beat that Irish team last no, weekend because as you know sport doesn't work like that you know it just doesn't if that game is played this Saturday after Ireland getting that belt mentally it's it's a completely different game I, you know, mindset's you, different the mindset of course yeah mindset is huge and it's, that, that's not a cop out Joe. I think it's like I actually uh, more so maybe in other sports rugby uh, the mindset is absolutely massive because you just um, it, 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 it shapes you completely and, and then the, I suppose you could say to me well they're such a, a good team and a consistency why was their mindset off I don't know because they were listening to us and everybody saying yeah, because the, they were listening to their friends I'm sure they weren't listening because they were listening to like each other I'm sure the, the media played absolutely no part in this it's like I often wonder is there something you can do in the middle of a game to actually just try and just give it a kickstart in terms of a shift in mentality like you had O'Mahony versus Sinclair at one point and I thought alright here we go yeah. this is sort of the thing we need after 60 minutes on, from my experience playing sport within f- 5 minutes of the game you cannot arrest that momentum right and that, that's me personally speaking I, I, I think once you're once you're in mid-battle, it's too late. You're like it, 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 the, the boat has sailed because it's it's top top class athletes going at each other, and once they have 
kind of you could see like the body language in, in, in May when he scored yeah like the guy was yeah. pumped as if he was going into a boxing match yeah they were on you know yeah. on, and Ireland were a little bit what's this about a small bit spooked and mm. uh, we had that multiplied by 50 in World Cup 2007 the spooked just from the Georgia game from everything Ger, right. you know just meaning so much to underperforming Shit, get onto the train and pitch Monday train hard Monday to Friday empty the tank nothing there Saturday another underperformance that's that's game two we're looking at each other how do we sort this get on the train and pitch train the house on Monday to Friday was training going well? Uh, not really no okay no but uh, we didn't I suppose maybe have I don't know what figure or what manager in moral sport would have the capacity maybe to kind of say okay can we look at this in a different approach guys you might be potentially over training you might be better off doing it but that level of expertise wasn't there yeah. you know and hindsight is a wonderful thing but we didn't have that so if you're Josh Schmidt are you okay because it's purely mindset or are you concerned I don't think it's ever okay with Joe you know in terms of uh, I got a little taste into him and um, you know I, I was in the tour of Australia in the first test they last and he was gutted you know and I kind of said geez uh, you know I'm involved in coaching a club team or whatever but like the level of hurt for him was it, it hit me coming when I just because I met him I was in the foyer and I didn't know they were, that was a team hotel and they came out and I could see them just coming off the bus back into the hotel and that's kind of a raw picture away from home no supporters yeah and uh, just um he he he's all in, you know what I mean. That's the kind of mm. character he is. So, what's he most worried about then? I'd say I, I would say like like a lot of us. I'd say he's probably shocked maybe at the manner in which, like I for me, I know Adam was saying it was four points after sixty five minutes. I didn't feel like Ireland ever had that game under control, which at home is bizarre what has happened there previously like I could tell you after five minutes of the All Blacks game that Ireland they have this they're on and at this weekend even though Ireland went ahead from uh, Johnny's kick to the corner and, and Keane Healy getting into score it just felt like there was going to be another way from England because with their first attack they just they, they, they dented Ireland that we haven't seen in a long while yeah so is he concerned about the fact that it was oh, sorry? So, I didn't answer. So question. easy for them to to defend. Sorry, so easy for them to, to breach say, our defence. So easy. I would say everything. I would say about. Um, yeah, I, I would say about grabbing the initiative. I would say there'd be a big emphasis on that. Um, you know what I mean? I, England probably just seemed to be. You look at the ball off the pitch. The first line out happening within ten seconds of Connor finding touch. It just seemed that they mentally and physically had a jump which is very unlike Ireland because they're always kind of first set uh, they take pride in, in, in kind of their their values being kind of ahead of the opposition and it, it seemed like that Ireland were kind of um, tailing England in a lot of departments which if you go to Murrayfield yeah it's, it's, it, it, this is this is uh, there isn't a ground in in the Six Nations now I'd say that it's a tricky game Saturday well, that's what happened the last time. They got two early tries, and the game was effectively over when we got laid off the bus. Um, so you've got to start this game well. 
well, well, especially over here, you like uh, you mightn't win the game in the first twenty minutes, but you could lose the game. You know what I mean? So like, uh, if Ireland stay within one score of them, everything is fine. But you go back two years ago, within thirty minutes, it was. Was it the three tries? Or it was yeah, two, yeah. I think it was maybe two penalties on a try, was it? Or yeah, like, like the thing is, that's the first half an hour of the entire Six Nations that season. We saw what happened in the first 90 seconds of the Six Nations this season. Is there a thing where we just need time to build into a Six Nations championship? Uh, all the evidence probably points up, but like from, a, I suppose, a sporting point of view, you, you, you can't really have that because if you, it's going to be Scotland in the World Cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, with respect, you can't kind of build into that. You've got to be gung-ho for that game. Mm. And then there's a bit of a, a taper off, isn't it? And then go again. But, like, so you you can't... No, I actually think it's what you said. Like, uh, the mood in Ireland was like, how many points are we going to beat them by? And the English crowd were kind of saying, I hope we don't get hammered. Yeah. And everyone fell into that. And the players then... It's, it reminded me a small bit of... Um, Kind of monster Leinster 2009 when Leinster had yeah. been just their nose rubbed in it for nine years. That was of. exactly it. Was like, oh my god, they're going to kill us today. What's going to happen? Yeah, and we nearly we did put them away in the first ten minutes. <laughs> you can't be you can't be too critical of the players though, from a, like a neutral perspective in terms of around the level they've been playing now for such a long period of time. It's been such a high level in terms it's of the focus, point. Con- I couldn't agree more. The tactical yeah. setup. Game in, game out. They've been reproducing that. It all—it's almost like they—they'd have to be human at some point. Exactly. A manager of the man saying standards at all times. This is the level we're at. Nobody drops below that. But in the back of your mind, as a manager or coach, you—you'd obviously know better than me. You must almost anticipate at some point there's going to be that little drop off. It had to be coming. I mean, they would, the lads wouldn't be human. Yeah. And we're only talking like small percentages. It wasn't as if the lads went onto the pitch laxadaisical in terms of, obviously the intensity had dropped off 5-10% and against yeah, yeah. a team of that quality, that, that's what can happen. But, I mean, tactically there wasn't, was there anything wrong with tactically in terms of performance? You looked no, at I and thought, we've right. got that wrong or I think was it just, just that fundamentally, that big fundamental in terms of that intensity levels, that focus just wasn't quite yeah, there and, and everything and came and from that. And the Key point probably wasn't just quite there, you know. What I mean, I think you've nailed it. But like, if I say it's oh, he's sticking up for the players, and uh, you know, what I mean, he's looking after the IRFU or he's looking after the management by me saying it. But like, the consistency levels of this team has been incredible, and they've driven it to whole new standards. Mm. Like, there's only been one year or two when they've won the Grand Slam, so they've won all the games. So we've seen this scenario before, but maybe it's because it's fresh or it was the manner of the game. But it seems like there's a massive overreaction to this. But the flip side of that is uh, they got to get their preparation right for, for the Scottish game because it's a, it is a potential banana skin because Scotland, you know what I mean, have new confidence and usually they're confident but I don't know why they are because they've nothing to back it up with yeah. because their two teams are now in the, in the, in the quarter-final of the great style of play. That and, and, and fair play to them, you yeah. know, and I think they have a lot more uh, variety and probably ambition to their new phone status. Before we get on to the Scotland game, I just want to bring this graphic up. So this is a, a tweet from um, the other day from Noel Sliney. He says, uh, Ireland have lost the last 20 games in which they trail by more than a point. At the, <coughs> and the last time we won a game by trailing more than a point was way back in 2011. Is this an issue? I mean, okay, so that's obviously all against good teams, but if you're more than a point ahead of us at half-time, you tend to win the games. We, we have a style of play that's yeah. not... 
that's kind of a front-running style of play where we suffocate you and then you try and play and we, we capitalise on your mistakes? I wouldn't even say that, Ger. I would say Ireland are so accurate. They're the best ruck team in the world, so they put such emphasis on the ball carrier and the two nearest fellas to kind of recycle the ball, which entitles them to kind of find holes. But we didn't find holes against England, and I think it was, what's the word, uh, the possession game was... Um, What's the word? Uh, when it's made to look worse, what's mm. the English for that? He, he uh, just said it. It <laughs> <laughs> was made to potentially <coughs> look worse. There's a there's a good word for that that I, I can't get, I can't get. We need Joe Malloy for that. Um, so in in the fact that because um, exacerbated, brilliant. It was exacerbated in the fact that we moved slow ball. Right. Hence, we lost the gain line even more so and continue to do that because uh, the ball carrier is kind of the most important man when you're playing uh, a, a huge emphasis on possession game. And that has worked for Ireland, for, uh, as Kenyon said, for the last five years because they've been so accurate around that. And all of a sudden, they get a weakness in the defence, which means they're on the front foot, which means Connor is walking onto the ball, Johnny is running onto the ball, hits uh, the centres or else plays out the back. Gets to wait. you look what happened at the weekend. It was England had brilliant spacing. Uh, their tackle was good. Their back end of the tackle, which slowed up the ball, is absolutely crucial, which a lot of people neglect. It's not the front end of the tackle. You got to get the back end of the tackle, which means if Kenny's coming into me, it's that kind of the initial wrestle is one thing, but can he kind of present the ball on my side of the gain line or on or on his side of the wrestle? If I can kind of get him to go back, it means that. England are able to kind of creep forward. The Ireland attack kind of have to go back a little bit, which means that they're kind of they're not on the front foot. Yeah, forward momentum. Like, Correct, yeah. and and just you could see that even like for people, the rugby nerds out there, in terms of like Farrell being able to kind of just little by accelerate into his kicking game from a walking start, but like to actually. That split second is all that matters. Well, it's very easy in the fact if you're if you're if you're not static, if you're static, everyone comes at you. But if the if the defence are even backpedalling a tiny little bit, it's the difference between being a sprinter start or a kind of a um, you know you know yourself for for, <coughs> for, all, for all you going back to your GA days and the warm up when you're kind of jogging backwards. You know, it's a bloody hard thing to yeah. do. Mm. Yeah, well, it, uh, is the is that why there's been such a reaction to this? Because that seems like the type of thing that any other team can look at us and go, ooh, that's the template now that England have given us. It's not like England scored two breakaway tries and stole the victory. They controlled the game mm. the whole way through. I think that's why people are so shocked by it. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. And I, I thought the... Uh, um, you know what I mean? A pass of Slade's quality deserves to be rewarded and his forward momentum... You're thought as a young boy to get a second touch you look at his acceleration into the pass people are saying it's a forward pass for me it's a perfect pass uh, winger catches his chip um, s- simple things yeah. simple things done well it, 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 it's kind of for years you know what I mean that's, that's what you see in a black jersey you could have been you know what I mean uh, Frank Bunce to Lomu chip yeah. try 
Yeah. Do you need those five world class players that you, you started this conversation out for England? Like, if England play like that with their, their second string, if they, they go out, do they still win that game? Who's the second string? Whoever, whoever's next. So oh, sorry. Whoever, so you take, Vinopolo, take the two Vinopolos out. We're going to see. Toja's gone. Like, their second row is still pretty good this week. Yeah, the second row is. Obviously, you can. Uh, uh, the key man, I think, is Farrell. Just because if he's not in the team, the others are. Um, yeah. Maybe just about replaceable. You know, our. um, I guess I'm worried about our other teams looking at that, what England did, and even with a lesser talent pool, are they saying there's a template to beat Ireland? Template is one thing, Joe. The reality and and practicality of implementing is completely different. We're talking about tiny margins. I think that's the the key point that Kenny has made here, and the fact that if you're small but off, um, you know what I mean? The collective is huge. Correct. Do, do you see any parallels between this year and like looking at the fixture list 2000 seems like a quite a similar year it is the first time we played England in, in the first game of the Six Nations <laughs> 2000 we were talking about it earlier on because uh, it was it's a, str- it's a strange coincidence but it's also a strange coincidence from your point of view because 2000 the first game we got absolutely spanked by England and then you start oh, well I had a media ligament injury but that's that's the small small uh, margins make big differences you know a week two with Scotland as well but sure if I played in that game I'm tricking him. I mightn't play it again. You know? Do you think so? That's how. uh, But sure, that's how brutal professional sport is. You know that. Mm. You could uh, like confidence is absolutely key. And if I play that game, it could have been a different story. But we do to play it. We was it close? Um, yeah. But I, I kind of like uh, media ligament is. uh, It's a nasty injury for a kicker. You know? It's horrible. You got Yeah, it is a horrible injury. It's. Yeah, takes your confidence away. One of those injuries. Oh yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, it's a horrible feeling, you know. Just it feels like you have your upper leg and then your lower leg, and it's mm. intact by an elastic band. Literally, you feel like it's the one time in your life when you feel like if your leg isn't uh, connected, it's that horrible an injury. And then you've a seven, and back then obviously the sevens were. It was a little bit like you, yeah, your point is probably well made. It was a little bit like the weekend when Curry like had one job was to just mess up Sexton. Mm. That was what his role was. It was old school, get in his face, yeah. make sure he knows you're there, and be just a nuisance to him. It was a good Shane Jennings performance, Monster Leinster going over the years, you know. But he, uh, he, uh, you just have. Um, no, I, I, it, the Scotland game obviously was five changes, wasn't there, for the next game? Yeah. In 2000. Brand new halfback partnership, yourself and Stringer. John Hayes. John Hayes, Shane Horgan, Simon Easterby. I think Nick Galway was dropped for the England game and was brought back in for the Scotland game, and then you absolutely spanked them 44 22. I think the, the most points Ireland has ever put up in the five or six nations, or at least in, in a long time. We'll go with that sort we'll of. Go with that. That was oh, a better he's team. Done the research. He's done the research. That was a better team than than this team. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think it was uh, Scotland team then, perhaps the Scotland team. Who knows? Like he hadn't been there for twelve years at that point. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think, jeez, um, no, I don't know what to say to that. More, it's more kind of to do with the idea that. You wake up, you go into the Six Nations, and then suddenly, after the first game, there is kind of a sense that, oh, Jesus, this thing started off terribly. Mm. That there is, because there's so few games, that you suddenly feel, this is all over. But actually, the second game is so important. There is still the, the live possibility of a championship. Well, yeah, you're right. It, it kind of... It, it confirms or completely smashes your thoughts from the first day out. Mm. So, 
as you like the, the key message from the th- two weeks into the round one is all about momentum so there'll probably be you know um, on on Sunday morning if there isn't if they're, if they're all Saturday games there's three teams that have won you know unless there's a draw so these three teams are absolutely feeling great and cannot wait for round two and then there are uh, three teams that are dragging themselves literally off the floor and going um well, if we get beaten this weekend, this is a horrendous place to be. And that was our mindset a lot in Irish camp because we had lost one game plenty of times. But the challenge for, for the current group now is to, to uh, as Kenny has said, to, to trust what they have been doing all along. But uh, performance is one thing, but in this competition, it's, it's about result this weekend. What do you remember about the build-up to that game in in two thousand? So, like, is that the type of thing that you remember forever, or is that just uh, yeah? You're, yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. It's it's when easy you know you're now that we're out the other end of it, right? But sure, that's what you dream of. When do you know you're getting picked? Uh, a fair idea from from uh, hmm. kind of halfway through the England game. <laughs> <laughs> no, going so well. We you just try in our day. We think we could have been overhead projector, you know, with the kind of um, yeah. the black and white. And we this side, we'll just go with this <coughs> this group in the jerseys and this fifteen in the bibs. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's, there's always in, yeah, there's always in the cage there on the training pitch during the week. Isn't it came it? back to bite me though that one. Did it? Like that. That was the uh, for my final game. I was in the. I was in the jerseys on the Monday night. Right. And the Tuesday morning oh. I was... Into the bibs. On the road to Cork. Had <laughs> a bad session. And oh, gee, well, no, actually a great <laughs> session, but something went on. But I won't forget it. Wasn't you leaving the hotel on the Monday night or anything like that going on, was it? No, 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 no. no. It was just... Uh, no, I missed out. That was it. End of international career over. Brutal. You know, when you, it'd be different if you kind of see the team on a, on a Monday on the overhead projector and you're kind of in the bibs then you kind of know I like my, yeah. my goose is cooked here there was no conversation though there was like a no there was in the, I was in the team definitely trained and trained well and then between um, 2 and 6pm something went on what do you think happened the team was announced I'd love to know were you the only one who changed from uh, non-bib yeah. to bib you yeah. didn't turn up to choose them off for breakfast in a pink t-shirt or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, this, on the is half <laughs> this is this is what professional sports people. This is the end of <coughs> international retirement. Did you, was your body telling you uh, um, mentally you can be in a different place? But where you, could you take a step back, growing like physically in terms of where you were, the level you were at, in um, terms of being honest no, with yourself? The, yeah, no, there was that. that uh, that wasn't an issue I think it was really? probably well there was an injury in the team so Johnny was out if Johnny was there it's a complete different set of mm. as you said thoughts in your head then it, you know what I mean it's no debate but it was uh, Paddy Jackson to start and Ian Madigan on the bench or Keatley no Who? I don't know I don't know <laughs> so you, you were out of the match day 23 oh yeah alright <coughs> right what the hell happened? I don't know. That's mad, isn't it? Um, yeah, it was... Because it means so much to you, you know? Yeah. If you're country, on the bench for your country. And obviously it's 
going to happen to everyone, as Kenny says, and the end is brutal no matter what, but this was a little bit different in the fact that it was... We did a roadshow, I think, in Cork, and you said um, uh, you got a phone call when you were at the Gruffalo. Yeah. Was that after that, or that, uh, that was before that? That was... Um, or was that the explainer for that? For the no, because the Gruffalo was on a Sunday afternoon show, and I got the call to meet um, the coach that afternoon, but I didn't need to meet him. I knew... I know what the phone call was, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was... No, because I had to play the Ospreys on the Saturday night and, and I played well. So, um... Yeah, that's, I don't know, Ger. Okay, so that's that... Which we'll get that timing again, but... Yeah, exactly, uh, that's... But the, there was no communication, you, you, like... Because it's mad when you're in the team and you know when, when the, uh, the pattern is so well established that the team is effectively quietly named to the players and everybody's preparing accordingly and then when that pattern gets broken that's chaos for everybody because it means that they can't trust what's happening as well so that's the type of thing that goes through a squad right? To actually, yeah. to actually take you out of the, the team environment though for me is an interesting one well, you, obviously you know better than, uh, than me Ron, and obviously very senior fi- figure influential figure around the, the team so in terms of where do you actually start to actually take you out with the team environment I'm thinking from a teammate's point of view you know, regardless we say a senior uh, player of some yeah. standing like huge men respect amongst his peers the other players there to actually remove that player for, for me there's a ripple effect of that it's not, not just about uh, yourself and your own personal situation it's how that, that's perceived by the rest of the players within the group mm. and for me that's almost but you're putting in a very much a negative vibe in the dressing room because there would clearly be an attachment no. uh, in a relation between you and the other players yeah. there. No, to be fair, I've got to clarify, uh, the Gruffalo um, conversation, I'm recalling this in fairness to Decky, it was, um, I'm giving you the heads up, you're not in the playing group, which is the 23, so mm. do you want to travel to Dublin? In, in fairness to me, he didn't want me holding a bag, as we'd say, you know, being kind of the numbers 24 to 32. Mm. If I if I wasn't up for it, but I said to him, "No, I'm. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm. I'm ready to go here. You know, yeah. I sin. I don't need any special treatment." But he was considering the fact that you're going to be, um, you know, what I mean, I'm going to be naming a team, and you're not going to be in in it. Are you going to be okay with that? I said, "Yeah, that's." You're ready for that. That's what it. happens. Yeah. Did you feel scapegoated at that point? No, no, no. That's never ever came into my mind about. About that, you'd be bitterly disappointed, obviously, but uh, you know, what I mean, there's probably a lot of history there between the two of us, too. So, is it a crappy thing to say that this is actually something worthwhile going through now that you're a coach? Like, if, yeah. you, if you'd never become a coach, absolutely it, brilliant, yeah. Type of thing, you'd be like, Bleh. now you're like, okay, I, I can see a little bit of that, I might have to do that sometime. Yeah, it's exactly it, sure. That was um, on so many other topics as well for the last number of years. I mean, there comes a time when you're kind of number one for a long time and it's brilliant and you're just such a competitor. Then you're kind of number two and you're kind of gone, you're not, you're not accepting that and you're kind of gone, oh, well, I'm going to have more impact than Johnny is now in my 10 minutes off the bench. That's the competitor in you. And then there comes a stage when um, you're kind of like uh, hanging on, as Kenny said, just at the, at the end and you kind of know like that father time has got you, but you need to just dig in there because it's yeah. representing it's a, it's a difficult one it really is and I'm it's just, even harder for the coaches 
you know, yeah. because we, a player is coming to the end, they're delusional. They think they're way more important to the squad than they actually are. But, like, you cannot question that because you need competitors. And if they kind of convince themselves that they're finished, they're done, they're done already. Mm. So it's such a delicate balancing act. And, you know what I mean, the, the one thing that... Were you delusional at the end? Um... I, uh, I, I don't think I was around long enough. If you, if you consider, I probably finished with Ireland in, in March, wasn't it? And finished my career in May. So I was lucky in the fact that I probably just got out so-called at the top that the option then was kind of, you become a journeyman and, and dig in for two years at Munster and dilute, hopefully, the positive image people have of you. But there's fellas have done that and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I just thought, I've got so much out of this. This is so good go, get out, you know, you've, you've had your time. Yeah, because uh, your last big game was the Heineken Cup semi-final that year when yeah. you nearly beat Toulon and Toulon. No, uh, nearly, exactly, Termont, in Montpellier. Yeah, yeah. In yeah a great game. An amazing and, game. And, and one, of your, one of your best games. Like, you played really well Well, exactly, but you had to do because you're, I kind of knew, I got great advice from a good mentor of mine saying, guys, it's amazing how fickle people are. You'll be remembered by your last three games. So I was fired up. Like I had to, kind of the way Ireland had gone was like, you got to show that there's a bit of fighting you, you know. Yeah. You got to show this, and then Munster obviously it's just the competition that means so much to you, and you know what I mean, full of fans, full of, it's, you know what I mean. There's something special. I was a player going playing. Uh, it's a bit. It's seen as the norm now, but you remember kind of back in, from 2000 on to, from that playing in Europe in France, especially with Munster, was always a cracking game. And we got bet out the gate once or twice. That's, That's it, it, yeah. Jeez, yeah. this looks like it's staged, but it's not. No, it? no. Uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, Paulie, that was it, because Paulie got abused from everyone, because remember he had the before that week, it was kind of uh, he had a clash with Dave Carney, and that was that week, right? Okay, uh, and he ran onto the pitch and the ho- before the warm up and the whole ground went boom. Oh wow! Was, he did his usual lap uh, across the twenty-two and goal line, and we kind of just crossed, and I put out my hand, and he went to kind of hit me, and he nearly just ripped the arm off me with <laughs> the intent in him, you know, because that guy is, uh, you know what I mean? There's, there's very, there's no one like him really to play with him biased because of the days we had but like that and that day was just like from the warm up to the game and we were we weren't as we weren't as good at them Jar but we nearly found a way to win and we should have won yeah you know we just it was classical monster a little bit of kind of take it take it and then kind of counter attack yeah it was brilliant and uh, it was a good game you know it was a bloody good game but it's very interesting when you look at the way your career ended versus how Paul O'Connell's career ended. Which way, which situation would you have rather have taken it? Like, it, it seems obvious that your situation is better. You kind of had a more controlled end to the career. But I guess with, with an injury and... Yeah, sort of it's great, sort of actually, protection. the fact, too, that uh, how things work themselves out. You know what I mean? People probably feel you're getting hard done by, mm. but you didn't get a, you know what I mean, a, yeah, yeah. a day in the sun. and. Uh, I, I'm staggered, like, because I left Ireland in 2013, and when you come back, like, it's it's amazing the people, you know what I mean? I, even in Dublin, like, walking around, you kind of just people make you feel so good about playing for 
Ireland and what you did. I, I, I'm genuinely taken aback, maybe because I don't live here, you know? It's like, interesting as well that you say you didn't want to dilute your relationship with the Munster fans at the time. Like, I'm sure the Munster fans would still say that to you, even if you played for another five years in, in the Red Jersey. Or do you really think that would actually impact your legacy? Yeah, definitely. Yeah? If you're being honest, you know? I just think that... Uh, you know, they wouldn't you, just remember the good times. They can't, though. Mm. You just can't do that. You're being dishonest then, you know. I just think that's... Then you're dealing with kind of bluffing territory and, you know, I think... Didn't you used to be smart? Uh, smart people can call it, you know what I mean? They they can make their own opinions and things like that. It's almost impossible, I think, for a top-quality uh, athlete round and people say, why don't they get out at the very top? And it's an easy thing to say and I kind of understand it. But in another way, it's it's an impossible thing to do. Yeah. As a player, to go out at the top means to go out when you're playing at a level which is which is up there. We know that kind of you know that kind of feeling when you're playing at that level. There's there's, there's nothing better. It's totally control of what you're doing. How could you ever expect an athlete to to step away at that level, experiencing those feelings, playing at that level, being in total control of what you're doing? It's almost impossible to what you need to experience that little kind of drop off which I did in my career for a number of years it just dropped off in terms of your physical condition can't get around the pitch you know your reaction times aren't quite you're not influencing the game as much as possible I caught a hollow feeling inside that you can't perform at the level that you want that makes the decision a little bit easier you've got to recognise that quickly when that little drop off comes well mm-hmm. then but to actually say you're amazed he never got out for me it's, it, it's, it's impossible I, it's, it's almost an impossible thing to do to step aside it doesn't make sense to give yeah. up Exactly. Really I think they, and it, for me, the, the, the trick always was when you feel that drop off, that fundamental. You get and you know. I remember a game, a couple of games playing in a couple of games, and it just straight away I was thinking, oh, I just can't do it. Just arrive in a split second, like maybe not getting exposed so much, but you just just not mm-hmm. getting the reaction times. Your body's not, you know, your body's not reacting as you as you want it to, and and then that kind of sobering thought that well, this is it now. I've got to make a decision at some point now. I just can't. Particularly when it comes to the international setup, so much at stake. I mean, so much to people. Mm. You can't, you know, you, you, you can't allow that drop off. It's too important to everybody. Yeah, I, I, the only thing with that, I suppose, would be that if you had a really good team and teammates, and you, it was, as you said, I, I haven't come across, but if it got to a stage where uh, there was a guy 37 and he was kind of obvious to a lot of guys. I think it would be a mark of respect for his teammates to kind of go, do you reckon it might be time to, you know... Yeah, you don't want to come to that from a person point correct, of view. Correct, yeah. You never wanted to come to that. No, you should you be the one who preempts it and actually exactly. walks out the door. I played like round... I played uh, two years longer at an in, in international level that I should have. The big regret of mine that I didn't step away one championship earlier, probably two years before, because the level of your performances in that last couple of years for I wasn't good enough. And it's a it's a massive I, regret. I think you can only say that because of because of the, after the event. Because if imagine no no if I pause this to you so right, so you you step away that twenty four months. You can imagine your mindset then, or you at home around the kitchen, kind of going. You see the boys playing that first game when you said, "I'm well up to this." 
you'd eat it for the rest of your life. At least yeah. now I think you can take satisfaction. No, no, no. I know everybody's personal situation is, um, is different, but I remember at the time, you get a lot of encouragement from people to stay on. Oh, no, we, we need you this. And that's a great thing that you're saying about the reception receiver. I know it's great. Those type of things. Now you've got a role to play. You're important. Boom, boom, boom. It's the kind of thing you want to hear, and it means so much representing your country. It's the last thing you want to do to kind of step away from your greatest memories with an Ireland jersey. But from from the personal point of view, for me, looking back, my time was two. It was two years too late. It was a big regret that I didn't step away. That kind of that that bit of a tapping in the back of my head. Can you, there's a drop off here? You got to recognise. I didn't. I ignored it. I ignored it for too long. You and you're the only one that can call it. I can remember. I didn't intend to retire in my last game for Munster. All oh, right, you're going to go another year. Wow. Well, I, I, yeah. I was kind of, and then literally, I'd finally played a game. I kind of caught Nigel Owens' eye. I caught Donica Ryan's eye, and I kind of just, just kind of said, "Yeah, get out." It's weird. A split second is that? Yeah, get out because uh, and like you see there, but it wasn't intended. Like it wasn't my. My kids were there, obviously hoping that we'd win a semi-final. Or I don't know how many kids I had at that stage, but uh, you know what I mean. It wasn't yeah. like this is the. You know I mean, to be fair, like a monster semi-final, it's a good day, but it's not <laughs> the farewell you're looking for to announce your retirement. But no, because it was just something at the end of that game <coughs> when you just kind of said, "Yeah, fair play." That's what I'm talking about. That little tap, and you recognise that, like you know what I mean. Weird. Literally, uh, you're chasing a game. And you're absolutely gutted, and then imagine the, uh, I suppose the, being overcome with that kind of a, a, a amount of thoughts in your head. Semi-final just gone, and you're done with rugby. Mm. But it just hit you, just never before the game did it come into my head. But just kind of, just kind of said, yeah, go walk, you're done. Mm. That's incredible. So like you didn't even think at the time this might just be the emotions of the game running to no, my head. No, I just knew something told me just. It was, I had kind of emptied the tank to kind of had a go at Ireland, uh, showed basically that, you know what I mean, I was well able to do it at European Cup level, um, but it was at that stage, where's the up after that? Mm. Was there a minute of regret afterwards, ever? Did you uh, call it at that point? I, I don't know, Jarrett, a minute of regret, uh, trying. Tease me out here in the terms next, of the next season in sorry it's in October it, it, absolutely <laughs> horrendous. But like the, what made it easier was but moving city, moving no doubt that you made the right decision though. When at Racing that first season, was there ever any temptation to go here? Listen, the lads are injured. Put me in. Oh yeah, yeah. Did it come close to happening? Was it a conversation? Uh, yeah, kind of nearly registered. But what an error it would have been. Thankfully, it didn't happen. You know, because you're just delusional, as I said. <laughs> I can do this, you know. I, I think, what are you going to do? I think the delusion that you have at the end of your career is the same delusion you have as a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old and a thirteen-year-old that makes you practice harder than everybody else. I think it's that letter, that bullshit letter that we were talking about earlier on that Roy McIlroy wrote, writes as an eleven-year-old to Tiger Woods, going, "I'm going to be the best golfer in the world." It's delusional, but he made it happen, and I think all of you guys at some point you have that delusion and it's a grand delusion that actually you can make it and you do make it and that's why I think you have a right to be delusional at the end as well yeah yeah it's probably yeah it's interesting well yeah that's well you got a dream don't you 
But then you I think once you step onto the coaches, I, w- I would say I no, I draw a line there. I think once you take the step uh, into coaching, get your coaching hat on. I've seen a couple of ex-players go into a like part-time manager's role, and even on the training pitch uh, with the players, just can't help themselves joining in the keep ball. Absolutely. The little five sides. <laughs> who, who are the coaches that do that? Disaster. Mick was the worst. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> Mick was the worst in terms of. Couldn't, couldn't stay away yeah. and I mean full on Mick would come in you know Mick in terms of yeah. how we committed and Mick was like 40 years of age oh. legs have gone when you're gone you're gone but that's it yeah, this is it. Can't, so hard can't leave it alone just even in terms of a trainer you were talking about potentially stepping back into a competitive game even in terms of a forward it's like <laughs> being unable physically unable to stand on the sideline having to like involve yourself yeah. amazing there's an argument Mick's legs were gone when he was 25 <laughs> uh, very quickly Ring Rose and Toner are gone for the game this weekend Ronan, <coughs> uh, Ringrose is kind of a key from a defensive perspective, also our best attacking player last week. Yeah, our best 13, yeah. Uh, and I've, yeah, I probably need to be a little bit stronger maybe in what I, what I was saying because I probably left people in the air a little bit about what would I pick. I, I think I was going for... Um, a midfield of I, I like to keep Bundyaki at 12 Ringo's at 13 with Henshaw at 15 for the English game on the basis that um, Rob Carney was kind of injured but if it was a World Cup quarterfinal Rob Carney would be 15 mm. in my head and that's where maybe I didn't clarify but you seem to get it straight away I would be kind of like that he has been irrespective I think best I put this if Henshaw went well at the weekend last weekend and went well again this weekend, then it's a positive for Ireland and there's a decision to make. But Rob Carney was going to get another goal. Yeah. I think people are forgetting that. I, I thought that that was all about the 31 and who... <laughs> yeah, who, who fair enough, but uh, sorry. Uh, in, in do you know that this is... Do I need to bring an extra full back? On the TV at the weekend, it was kind of... Uh, we've kind of moved away from Rob, but I don't think that's... The, I wouldn't do that. I would think that... Uh, you know what I mean? He hadn't been... He played poorly one game for Leinster. In his comeback from injury. Yes. Like, that happens. Yeah, absolutely. But... Um, um, so I think he's he's obviously the the number one 15. We were looking at the who potentially is the next 15. Uh, but now that uh, Ringrose is injured... Um, what's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, are they going to go... Henshaw 12, Aki 13, Rob 15, or... Chris Farrell? Yeah. Let's see a bit of Chris Farrell. Straight into 13. Like, it's a better position than 12 as well. Like, is this the opportunity for Chris Farrell that uh, the Rob Kearney run of form has been for Robbie Henshaw 15? Yeah, you could. I, I, I would, now that that game and the Grand Slam is over, couldn't you go uh, keep Henshaw at 15 to see what it, what it looks like? Yeah. Uh, Farrell who was man of the match in the last time he played in the Six Nations game wasn't he against Wales yeah, yeah. getting a go at 13 and uh, keep back here at 12 keep back here at 12 uh, then if you're looking at a World Cup scenario they could go uh, are they going to move Erzie into the centre is that what's going to happen in the World Cup if there's an injury in game are they going to put Jared and Larmer on the wing or Conway on the wing um, Will Addison is he going to come in or We've seen a lot in November. He was he was really good, but games are running out before he That's if he wants to go to Japan, isn't it? And Earls is fit. So Earls is fit, raring to go. And Earls is, is you know what I mean is 
Ireland's best winger. People can go on about Stockdale and his phenomenal season last year, but like everyone else, I back a fellow who's done it for eight years or ten years in a row. Than he's, a guy who he's is. peaking as well. He's like his defensive capabilities, his attacking capabilities, his technical proficiency is at a level that is higher than anybody else in that team. Yeah. Yeah, uh, look, we're nearly done. But um, just a reminder that if you've just tuned in, Ron Lagar has joined Team Off the Ball. That's not a bad, uh, not a bad debut, Ron. Enjoy it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Are you going to go out at the top from Off the Ball as well? One eye only. But you've guys in their mid to late sixties, haven't you? So I have a lot to aim at. Yeah, yeah, it's going to work. Um, they've launched this new uh, Rugby X. Our Rugby X team wouldn't be bad at the moment. Yourself, Brian O'Driscoll, Alan Quinlan, Keith Wood, and Johnny Sexton. That's not a bad five aside. Oh. It's like the English team. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, we're, we're really looking forward to it. When you're back down in New Zealand, we get to talk about yeah. um, what life is like down there. It's yeah, pretty good. I, I, looking forward. Um, yeah, kind of having the back of my head. Uh, first game against the Blue Saturday week. So I'm plotting against the midfield of Mananu, Sonny Bill Williams and Ricky Aoni. <laughs> I don't think in the history of rugby you'd have a 12, 13 and 11 as physical and as big as that so if any guys out there have some some good <laughs> some good some, some good back plays I'm all ears or you can uh, hit us play up. in a rush defence against them or <laughs> you can hit us up in the hashtag OTBAM we'll, uh, we'll share all those running good stuff and welcome aboard Kenny thanks, great stuff today thanks very much for joining us as well the uh, Gaelic Football Show kicks off today at half past 12 off the walls back on the radio tonight from 7 we're back tomorrow morning live from 7.45am good luck so, if you like this, you'll probably also like OTB AM, Ireland's only sports breakfast show. Subscribe to the OTB AM podcast stream or catch the show live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook or offtheball.com every morning from 7.45am. 